Well, hey there, friends. You doing good? That old couch with just a few too many pillows and blankets treating you right? Have you been freshened with your freshest refreshment? That's quite a storm outside, so I think I'll just throw a few more logs on the fire and start reviewing the plays the thing, another combat-free RPG for you and me. It's sweater weather, our new November celebration of cozy or combat-free games. And no, this is not a permanent change to the intro music, so hey, my chill and wonderful, comfortable pals, you can stop emailing me about it. So comfy, so system mastery, so sweater weather. everybody welcome back to system mastery sweater weather our cozy november event where we just review combat free games or games that just make you feel warm and fuzzy inside and this is going to be uh pretty much only the former yeah pretty much <laughs> didn't really know what we were getting into this is the plays the thing it is a magpie game written by the main magpie guy the magpie guy i can't remember his name off the top of my head i'll have to look it up <laughs> but he's he's the uh he's the one who is somewhat infamous for reasons I'm not fully conf- uh, confident in explaining to people. Sure. So I just won't. Uh, if there's something wrong with the magpie guy and you already know about it, hey, grats you. Uh, Mark Truman. Mark Truman. Is thank you. Mark you Diaz Truman. That's who this is. Okay. Yeah. And edited by John Wick. I know. I noticed that right away, <laughs> that it was edited by John Wick, which I'm not going to say that the first thing I did on getting into the garage to start recording tonight was ask John if he ever found a point where it mentioned the core difficulty. Uh, <laughs> ranks in this game because i could not find one (laughs) hey here's the thing this when we review games Mm -hmm. when we review games when we review games when that happens Mm -hmm. on the rare occasion when we review games i'd never review a game i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) i would never yeah that sounds (laughs) crass (laughs) beneath me (laughs) churlish and insubordinate on those situations usually i will either like be into the game or i will dislike the game it is rare for a game to fully bounce off me in a way that this game did in a way where this game was like i would read most of what was in this book and then go what the fuck did i just read what was any of that and i would go back and read it again and go yeah none of this is sticking in me i do not give a fuck about any of this (laughs) it's not that i dislike it it's not like it's bad And I don't particularly like it either because I also don't see the point of it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's, it is a weird situation where every time I tried to read this book, I was like, nope. So it's just got like a Teflon effect on you. It just slid right off. It's just skate. Like you're just, you're just, uh, magpie games aphobic and the games just fall right off you. (laughs) Indeed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just water off a duck's back that happened to me with the the uh their most recent thing which i understand there's some been some controversy regarding the fact that they are the people who are doing the pbta avatar yes uh that they pretty much dropped a bunch of other shit that they owed people because they had avatar baby and that's money and it was (laughs) it was a fuckload of money well yeah yeah and so uh, i know that there was a little bit of that i don't remember what they dropped in favor in favor of but i get it i know why they did that that was like 75 million dollars or some crazy thing for that Uh. And, uh, or 7.5. I don't remember. You I know, remember that I dropped you know, my pledge. A number. I dropped my, this is, this is years before all of the Satine Phoenix controversy and discourse began, or a year, I think. 
But I dropped my pledge when they announced that she was going to be in the AP for it because I was like, oh, I hate it when one of the reward tiers is we'll give a, 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 a person who's famous for being famous more money. Yeah. I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm, I was hoping you'd pay your people more or something. But if you're just going to cut a check to the stickiest people in the Internet, then pass. <laughs> yeah, because God damn it, we're the stickiest people in the Internet. <laughs> but that's because we don't wash. <laughs> we're the sticky bandits. <laughs> And we're going to rob that McAllister household this year, I tell you. Come hell or es- high water. Especially the one in New York, because we're the sticky bandits and not the wet bandits. Yeah, that's that's why it's hell or high water, because we were the wet bandits. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we've abandoned it, so now it's hell, not high water. <laughs> but yeah, it's, this is a game about improving versions of Shakespeare plays. Yes, and when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's, you know... That's that's a good trade dress. That's a good livery by which to pre- uh, present this game, right? Like, it's really about b- playing actors who are in a play and they are trying to change the play uh, to make it more about them, so they can be cool, they can have more fun in it. And I thought to myself, well, that's just neat. I love that idea. I can't wait to get to the part where it addresses plays that aren't Shakespeare, so I can discuss like Neil Simon or or some musicals or something you know just have some fun with it what if it's some rogers and hammerstein stuff or no i, I was wrong this is a hundred percent shakespeare well yes this whole thing is being actors attempting to put on a shakespeare play mm-hmm. that is it that is what this is about but also when i saw it and your character instead of a class you have what type of actor you are like known to be so you are like a, a leading actor or an ingenue or a ham or someone who normally plays villains yes. whatever and when i saw that and i saw that each of them has a power based on when you are currently acting in the play a power you can use mm-hmm. and a power that's off stage for when you aren't and i was like oh that's really interesting to me as far as getting into the politics and backstage drama yeah. of a play and yeah. putting one of those on. But that is 1000% not the point of this. No, it's more like you're, it, it, it's, it seems like it should be that you're arguing with the playwright, or, except that's Shakespeare, so you can't. So you're, I guess well, you're the, arguing with like the director and the dramaturge. About about the minor changes you could make to make the play more interesting, except that it all happens on stage. So it's more like you just kind of go, uh, you know, I shall not drink this poison. Screw you, apothecary or whatever. Well, I mean, there's the off stage stuff, but that when I was reading this, I was expecting it to be like, oh, this takes place both on the stage and then, you know. There will be points where you're like, oh, you go out to dinner with your fellow actors or yeah. you're at home practicing. I was Something like that. Backstage but, action. I was expecting it. But instead, it's if you do want to be like, hey, I think it's dumb that, you know, the queen drinks poison. I would like to say that she doesn't. You on while you're acting out the scene, you just say cut. Hey, my dude. Hey, playwright. Uh, I would like to change the play in such a way. And then you make a role and you either do or don't. And I'm like. Let me have any not the play. I mean, I get it. The play is, of course, course, the the thing. thing. That's the name of the game. It's, uh, I think maybe I had expectations that the game did not have and I should not have had going in. Uh, That's fair. I mean, I get what you're saying, largely because to me it feels like a sort of, uh, it's a nebulous space in which the play of this game takes place, Uh, which is to say that... uh, 
I'm not really sure what's happening. Like, are you in the middle of a dress rehearsal and you just go, cut, cut. I hate that I stabbed this guy through the curtain here. It's dumb. Yes. I don't want to do that. So it's like, isn't that kind of late in the production? You've been rehearsing. If it's dress rehearsal, you've been rehearsing this for weeks already. Yeah, it's it weird. is. It is basically you are. I mean, not quite, I would say, dress rehearsal, mm-hmm. but more like, all right, you are at a point where you are attempting to put this on. You're far enough along that people are acting out like the full play, essentially. Yeah. But also, while not specifically Shakespeare, the person who runs the game, the DM, is the playwright. Yes, which is, weird. again, weird, because the first thing it says is like, hey, don't think you have to play like as playwrights in Shakespeare's time, working for Shakespeare, you could set this in the 1920s. It doesn't matter. And I'm like, okay. Although that does make me go like, okay, so are we saying that I am a playwright and writing Hamlet, which is an original play and was not done by Shakespeare. Shakespeare never existed. It's 1920 and I'm writing this play. (laughs) No, it's the Shakespeare's a vampire. (laughs) Okay. So here's the thing. Yeah. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are undead. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Which is immediately with the joke I wanted to get to, but but yeah, I, I don't I don't really know. I mean, I get why they went with the playwright as the title. I would have probably I only worked in a theater for like two years, and I was a like a, a membership representative. Although theaters are tiny, so I ended up hearing a lot of play stuff and interacting with the people who were actually behind making the the performances. I would have called the the DM in this game the dramaturge hmm. instead of the playwright. Because the playwright implies... I would have the- called them the Demiurge. <laughs> yeah, you know, because it's the Gnostics the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, part of me was really like, oh, this is interesting in that you're making noises off the RPG, but you've made it about Shakespeare instead. Yeah. And it's a very interesting thing about being like, yeah, we're going to have a play about making plays... About role playing, about role playing. <laughs> yeah, it's a role playing game about playing in a play while changing the play. That's the that's the basic concept of it. Is you play as actors. John already mentioned the types of actors you can play as: villains, hams, ingenues, leads. Uh, there's a couple more in the back, I think, because this is a Kickstarter thing. Um, and you basically you are them. That is your role. You're an actor, so you're like a ham actor. Your job is to be funny and to steal the spotlight. Uh, but the the play of the game isn't like you putting on dramatic performances or rolling to see if your performance is sufficiently dramatic to impress an audience. Rather, all of the mechanics are about you making changes to the play that reflect what you as a ham would like. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. It's weird because when you start out, whoever is running it, whoever's going to be the playwright, mm-hmm. Shakespeare. Uh yeah, whoever Shakespeare mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. uh, it's Shakespeare. Yeah, it's it's uh, Thomas Marlowe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whoever Shakespeare is, Thomas Marlowe <laughs> is running your game. <laughs> now, uh, whoever is being the playwright basically picks a Shakespearean play. Yeah, and then gets all of the like characters from it and just sort of writes down their name, mm-hmm. and then. A plot or two. Like, basically one point for each of them. A plot and a prop prop and a place, I guess. Or no, a part. That's what it is. A part. Yes. So you get a part, which is what you are. So, like, if I write down Lear, that's the name, and then the part would be King. Yeah, Old King, that kind of thing. Uh, 
and then you could have a plot which would also be like father. Yes. Yeah, you're you're uh, you're like a disappointed father because of of uh the your the daughter that your true daughter that that loves you the most and she she is telling you the truth and you hate it. So you I hate send her away. Shit. I'm going to be honest, I am not a Shakespeare expert. I I mean I I played Falstaff in a college production of The Merry Wives of Windsor and I don't remember a fucking lick about it. Um good or or any other Shakespeare play to be honest. So if we sound dumb here, if I'm like, yeah, his shit daughters, Reagan and Goneril, and I'm right, that's because it was in this book, not because I knew. Yes. Now, you pick one of the plays to do, and of course, uh, like you were saying, this is a Kickstarter, so it has like an expansion to it, but baseline, they're like, okay, you're either going to do a comedy, a tragedy, or a history. Yes. Uh, and... And they do add another one towards the romances. Towards yeah, the they, end. yeah, they add stuff like uh, the Tempest on at the end, yes. where it gets a little weirder. Mm-hmm. When he was in his, his uh, like, <laughs> Revolution 9 period, <laughs> when Shakespeare got experimental and started dating Yoko Ono. <laughs> Shakespeare had to do a lot of drugs. <laughs> Shakespeare picked up the sitar late in his career. And... <laughs> uh, so, yeah. You'll pick a play, you'll have a cast list down, and then the the people who are playing it, who are going to be the actors, once they've made their actor, will then start bidding on if they want to be someone or if they want to add more shit to it. So if you have like, all right, here's Macbeth, uh, he's... Uh, a knight mm-hmm. for his part and he's got a prop of a sword and here you go and great if you're like cool i want to be macbeth then you can say i'll take macbeth yeah yeah or you can go hey uh i know this story i remember macbeth uh here's a story point uh also macbeth is uh a fairy Pe- a penguin <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're like great you can add in dumb shit <laughs> to any character yeah and that is the point of the game is basically taking a shakespearean play and absolutely fucking it <laughs> yeah that's basically the idea is to, is to mess with the play in fun ways and still kind of hit the beats uh it, it's interesting that i honestly this is the part that bounced off me harder than any other part of the book was this bidding mechanic that the game starts with every time where you where First of all, you're not going to use every character from the play because Shakespearean plays are too big and too long to make into one-shot RPG sessions. Well, yeah, but even then, when they acknowledge it, they're like, oh, obviously you're not going to do every fucking scene from the play. You're not going to have every character. Mm -hmm. And they have a listing of like, all right, here are the main like six or so people from this play. Pick one of those. And even then, you're like, you're probably not playing with, you know, maybe you are playing with like seven people and you want to do that. Great. But if not, you know, the playwright just plays whoever else needs to. If you're yeah. like, we're doing Macbeth and literally no one wanted to be Lady Macbeth, <laughs> then I guess it falls on you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so th- I didn't understand quite why this part is the way it is. You'd think you just have the player, the the players in the play announce, you know, that they hear you're doing Titus Andronicus and they're like, oh, shit, son, I want to be Mo- Moodyus or whatever. I'm so super excited about that. Fourth son, best son, baby. <laughs> uh <laughs> But like, it's uh, it, in, instead it's it's presented as part of the game that the the uh, the playwright is going to be like, I now place on offer 
Titus Andronicus himself, a noble Ronan general against the Goths. And, and, uh, I, I guess it's supposed to go around the table and either you say, yeah, I want that you pass entirely or you sweeten the pot to try and get someone else to take it. It's a weird thing because after you make your character, mm-hmm. uh, everyone gets five story points. Yeah. And when you're doing the casting of the play and everyone's going to get whatever character, uh, you, I think each character to start with is worth three story points. So if you know, they go, Here's Macbeth. Do you want Macbeth? And you say, yes, no changes. I'll take it. I'm the first person to go in the circle. Yeah. And I'll have that. You get three story points. Yeah. Now, you can pass and just do nothing. Or, like you were saying, you can sweeten it where you give up one of your own story points to change a character you're not going to be. Yes. So you're like, ah, I know. I'll give up my ability to affect the narrative in order to make someone else's character more interesting. Yes. And while part of me is like, ah, yes, your players should be invested in making everyone's characters as interesting or, you know, silly or tragic or whatever you're doing. There's that anti-incentive there of yeah. I'm giving up the one resource that this game has because it only has the one resource yeah. and I'm giving it up for something I'm not using. And the moment someone else takes it, they have no incentive to keep playing the silly game. If the first person is like, I, I'll take Macbeth in whatever form you've you've sweetened the pot to get me to take it, and from now on, I'll just pass on everything, because why would I give up story points? I've, I'm set, and I have a cool character already. <laughs> yeah, and again, I understand the idea of like, yeah, you want your players to be invested in everyone else having this, Yeah, but again... It is, I have to give up my own personal ability to do things in order to get it. Yeah. And if you, you know, have played before and you're like, oh, I know that the playwright just hands out story points like fucking Tic Tacs and I'll never need to worry about it. Yeah. During the beginning of this, I'll fucking spend all my starting story points on changing things because I know I'll get it during play. And it'll be fine. Great. But if you're going in as someone that's like, I've never played this before. We're trying this out for the first time. You know, the person who's running it, the playwright hasn't done it before. We're, we're a brand new group doing this. Then you have to rely not only on a brand new playwright having the presence of mind to go, oh, I need to be handing these story points out. Right. But then you have to be able to be like, all right, I need to trust that they will do that in the future. I need to not have that very ingrained sense of this is my only way of doing a thing. I should hold on to it. Yeah, for sure. That, that you you feel like you're giving up the only resource the game has. Yeah, because and for what? So you can declare that that uh, Macbeth is not only you know like a, a, a beloved son, but also a secret thief or something. Yeah, you know, you go around. You're like, oh, I made Macbeth. I would like to give the uh, the part that he is also king. Hey, how about that? He's already king. Eat a dick. <laughs> Who cares? I'm ruining your play. <laughs> and you're not. Um, one of the things I did want to stress about the opening part of this book is that it is well written from the perspective of the writer. Like it, it, Truman starts out by pointing out that he he fall, uh, ascribes to a theory by some other game designer. I forget his name or their name. And that it's you have to answer these three questions when you're writing a role playing game. And so here are my answers to these three questions. Like, what is the point of this? How is the fun accomplished from this? What are people meant to take away from this? And I, li- I like that kind of thing where, where there's a pretty stro- uh, solid thesis about why this game exists. Yeah. 
and that was, I think, the reason that I bounced so hard off of this is I'm like, this isn't for me. This is <laughs> very clearly not a game for me. I can tell you, yeah, there's a core disconnect for me as not a huge Shakespeare fan because the whole point of this game is changing things about Shakespearean plays. So unless it's like one of the two that is constantly being remade for TV, oh uh, yeah, then then I'm gonna be like, oh, would you like to change something about I don't know much to do about nothing? And I'll be like, I, uh, I don't know what fucking happens. Exactly. I don't know what change I could make and what it would do. That is the main issue I had with this. Is I'm like, even as someone that has, you know, taken classes about Shakespeare and read more than say probably your average person. Sure. You've got I some still, kind of lit degree. Yeah. I have a degree in literature. Yeah. So I've had slightly more exposure to it than say a standard person would who was like, I don't know, I've seen Romeo plus Juliet. <laughs> but, I've trod the boards. <laughs> but I don't remember doing it. <laughs> so even then I'm like I could not possibly tell you about most plays of Shakespeare. Yeah. Like the vast majority. If you were like, hey, what happens in, you know, like, I don't know, even one of the big histories, like what happens in Richard the Third? I'd be like, I don't fucking know. I don't have a goddamn clue. Yeah, there's nothing that's scarier to me than the notion of playing this game and having the the playwright be like, and now let me divide Henry the Sixth parts among the, the lot of you. And I'm like, uh, I hope I play Henry the Sixth. <laughs> Even that, I would be like, I hope I don't, because I have no idea what the fuck is supposed to happen. And the game tries to, again, give you some sort of handhold in that, in the back, when they have all the descriptions and the cast list and everything for the plays, they're like, all right, we break every play down into five acts, and we say what the act is and what each character is going to do in that act. Yeah, they do. Like I was, I mentioned it earlier, but I think we got off track immediately, like we like to do. Uh, that it, plays are too long to do, so instead you divide them into five little scenes that kind of jumble up the plays, so that they are five scenes, five tiny improv scenes long. Yeah. So you know, if you have no idea what happens in Richard the Third, they go like, "All right, so Act One, Richard the Third has made King Edward suspicious of Clarence, resulting in Clarence's imprisonment in the Tower of England. And Richard goes to visit Clarence before he is imprisoned and claims that he will... And I'm like, even your summary of this, if I was playing in this game, I'd go, what? <laughs> <laughs> now, to be... Let, let's, let's put the cards on the table here and be polite. It just happens that neither of us are big Shakespeare people. I imagine that if you were a big Shakespeare person, you'd probably be very excited by this concept. So oh, for sure. And that's, that's why I didn't hate it. Yeah. Because it's not that the game is bad. Again, it's just not for me because the other problem I have with it is even if it is a thing, like even if you go straight to like Romeo and Juliet, a mm -hmm. thing where you're like, even the most like non well-read person goes, yeah, I know that fucking story. Yeah. Even, even that, then, I'm still going to get it wrong. I never remember what the difference between Tybalt and Mercutio is. Well, the problem for me is I look at it and go, what is the point of making this an RPG? Because either you're like, oh, we're going to do a fun, you know, retelling of Romeo and Juliet. I'm like, great. That's a play. That's not an RPG. That's just a play. And if you're like, oh, we're, but we're going to do it where we're like, uh, Romeo never meets Juliet. And you're like. Okay. All right. So that's it's a different play. Then this is it. <laughs> it just feels like improv exercises rather than a game. And I know that that's going to be a <laughs> a division in RPGs where there are 
there are going to be times where I'll have that opinion about an RPG and then people will be angry at me for having that opinion. <laughs> I know that that will be an existing thing. That's why I'm equivocating so hard to be like, hey, if you're a huge Shakespeare fan, this is, might be for you. Whereas I'm like, even if you're a huge Shakespeare fan, you probably love it because of what Shakespeare wrote. And so when it's like, ah, oh, what are you going to do as Laertes? You're like, the same shit Laertes did in the play because I like that. <laughs> Don't ask me about Laertes, bro. Let me talk about someone else, bro. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> someone remembered Renaissance Man. <laughs> someone certainly did. <laughs> someone forced someone else to remember Renaissance Man. <laughs> I remember more about Renaissance Man. In fact, that is my only frame of reference for whatever the fuck Laertes is. Oh. I think he's from Hamlet because I remember that Danny oh, DeVito Hamlet, said, Hamlet, Hamlet, I just remember Hamlet. Danny DeVito saying, we're gonna read Hamlet, we is. Yeah, so. Laertes. <laughs> you know, he has a lot of very famous lines, like, you know, never a borrower or a lender be. Oh, that's, that's him. him. Okay, cool. Laertes had I a bunch that of was shitty platitudes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been falsely misattributing that quote. <laughs> you know, famous quote from Laertes. I would prefer not to. <laughs> Anyway. I'm, just, I'm just really trying to put my cards on the table here so that people know full well that I don't know dick about Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, now, uh, just to get into a little bit of the crunch, the few mechanics that exist. Sure, let's talk about those. You have three stats that are called acting chops. Yes. You have your Logos, Pathos, and Ethos. And, of course, D'Artagnan. <laughs> and D'Artagnan. Your fourth unmentioned stat. The asshole one that tries to fight your other three stats. <laughs> I've got three in D'Artagnan. <laughs> oh. but, but, yeah, Logos, Pathos, and Ethos, uh, where, God, this is hard to even remember. The only one I can straight up remember is that Ethos is the one that refers to physical objects and locations within the play. Yeah, so... Your uh, your logos is essentially changing events. So you're not changing uh, the way like a person acts. You're not changing the scenery or any of the props or anything like that. So instead, it's you know, oh, uh, Hamlet survives getting stabbed. Yeah. Exit stage right, pursued by two bears. <laughs> That's probably an ethos thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So Lagos is changing events, which yeah. you would think would be, you know, the most things. <laughs> the vast majority of them. Although I do like the idea of the ethos player just changing every location. Every time he plays, he's just like, and we're in sunny Southern California. <laughs> yeah. They're like, all right, act three takes place in uh, the main hall of the castle. And you're like, the fuck it does. We're on the beach, baby. <laughs> yeah. Ethos specialists are the ones who make Hollywood adaptations. <laughs> We're doing 10 things I hate about you. Yeah, thank you. Please and thank you. I call Julia Stiles. <laughs> so, uh, pathos is your ability to change the emotions or decisions of the characters in the play. Mm -hmm. So, you aren't changing the outcomes as much as you are changing what they are doing. So, mm -hmm. you might say, like, all right, the end of this scene, Laertes is still going to get fucking stabbed and murdered. Yeah. But we're going to make it so that Hamlet isn't a fucking crazy person in this. He's actually trying to stop his mom who is attempting to stab Laertes or whatever the fuck you want to do. <laughs> so that is if you want to change like, oh, I don't like that my character sucks ass and is a little crybaby bitch. I want to make Hamlet a man of cool stuff. <laughs> Great. Your pathos. Cool sunglasses. Keep falling. No, ethos again. Ethos. 
Uh, and yes, Ethos is changing the setting and props. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a sword. I have a gun and it says sword on it. You know, sword nine millimeter. What up? What up? I get my long sword. I can't hate that movie. No one can the hate mo- that movie. movie rules. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Top to bottom. It's That's my introduction awesome. to Baz Luhrmann, who, who is the director of my favorite movie. So <laughs> how can I be mad at it? Uh, so you will have six points to assign to those three stats. No stat can be higher than three, which means you can have straight twos or three, two, one. You know, whatever. I think those are your only two options. Nah, man. You could have uh, like a like a three and a two and a one and a three and a, <laughs> and a zero. Nope. <laughs> it's a, you can have all twos or a three, a two and a one. <laughs> nah, I've got no pathos. <laughs> I'm an awful actor. <laughs> You could put a three in Logos and then one each in Pathos, Ethos, and D'Artagnan. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> There's the, brought it back around. There we go. <laughs> uh, you select your actor type, like we said, a lead, a ham, a villain, or an ingenue, assuming you aren't using the Kickstarter uh, Yeah, there's thing. a the mask. Yeah, which is just, you know, I'm that dude who does physical performances. Yeah, you're playing I'm Doug, Andy Serkis. Yeah, Doug Jones. <laughs> Whoever you're casting is like someone who is physically very... Uh, like uh, uh, arresting and interesting. Yes, it's not just hot. They have to be like bendy. Exactly. Yeah. So that's how you make your character like, and that's it. Once you're done with that, then you have your character, and then you'll pick your part from the casting that yep. you mentioned. Yeah, it's a pretty straightforward, very quick game. Uh, uh, there's even a part towards the end where he's like, you know, you're not supposed to play this like campaign style, but fuck it. Here's some like experience point. If you wanted to add XP, I guess this is what you would do. If you want to play the game wrong. <laughs> if you want to be a dumb asshole about it, here you go. So, what is... There, there is a little more you get to do. Um, well, I was going to say, uh, you have... I mentioned before, you have an on-stage ability, which... Uh, let's just go, go with the them. ham. Yeah. So, the ham has an on-stage ability of you know how to play up whatever you're playing, so you can yell cut without spending a story point. Normally, when you want to make a change, you have to yell cut and spend a story point mm-hmm. in order to make the change happen. The ham just fucking does stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which has got to be, uh, like, you can't put anyone who's even slightly an asshole like me in that spot. Because I'm just going to be like, cut! Ah, no, just keep going. It's fine. I- I'm sorry, cut! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, wait a minute. Cut! <laughs> Uh, cut. Oh, no, I'm just saying there was a cut in my uh, clothes over here. A cut. <laughs> I'm pretty sure cut was my line, actually. <laughs> Your offstage ability uh, is that you know how to get on stage. So you can spend a story point to compel someone else to call you into the scene. Yeah, which by itself is already dramatically changing the play. Yeah. You're like, all right, well, here's... <laughs> Romeo and he's over Juliet's supposedly dead body. And you're like, hey, call for me. Call call for the priest. I want to show up. <laughs> what are you doing in here, Mercutio? Aren't you like dead or something at this point? Again, I can't I tell am, him. I am. And a part. ghost. Yeah, there's a whole thing in here. We'll get to it in a second. Go ahead and finish up because there's one more ability on Ham. So, yeah, those are your two abilities that you get to use. And then you'll have a direction. Uh, and yeah, so compel. Uh, people who know uh the fate system the abilities you have are the standard sort of things where it's like oh you can use your uh sort of statistic or your how you are to get a bonus the direction is a compel from that where it's you can get 
points for being compelled. Yeah. Uh, and so for like the ham is at the playwright's request, you must perform a soliloquy. <laughs> Which feels very weird. Oh, Hamlet, 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 Hamlet. The vampire kingdom <laughs> hath attacked the castle. The <laughs> other uh, fucking soliloquy right now. Um, suck it in, suck it in, suck it in if you're Rin Tin Tin or Anne Boleyn. <laughs> so, uh, and just like in Fate, you can refuse a compel you can spend your own points to be like no i know you were offering me story points to do this but i'll spend two of mine to just say no yeah yeah so each each one of the classes has each of those three things a a uh a, a sort of pa- a power they can use while they're on stage a power they can use while they're off stage and a compel that the director can can use to keep them playing along yeah so usually the directions are making you do things that are within what your acting type would normally do. Yes. So the ham has to take center stage and, you know, take up all the people's attention. The villain has to deny a plea for mercy or justice. So even if you are playing like, oh, I'm going to be the hero in this. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, technically I am normally someone who plays a villain, (laughs) but in this, I took the role of the hero in this play and they're like, yeah, but everyone wants to see you be an asshole, so be an asshole. I'm just picturing, like, Christopher Lee playing Lear. Yeah, man. <laughs> and at one point, he's like, well, I am Christopher Lee. He says as he pulls a gun out of his robe. <laughs> he just, just fucking stabs <laughs> Regan. He's like, fuck you, daughter. <laughs> and everyone's like, woo, yeah, Dracula. Love it. <laughs> Hot. Get him, Saruman. <laughs> Shit's tight. <laughs> Because yeah, you, you pick your your uh, your type, your, the thing that you are before you start take, choosing your characters, and there's nothing stopping you from playing against type. If you chose villain at the beginning, there's nothing from stopping you from being like, oh, I want Ophelia. Give me that Ophelia, that sweet Ophelia. I'm going to play the shit out of it. Yeah, and again, you can be like, oh, either I can try to play it against type and be like, I'm normally a villain. I want to be Ophelia. I want to try and play against that and mm-hmm. see what happens. Or you can be like, yeah, but what if Ophelia is the villain of the story? <laughs> What if she drowns someone else in a in a river yeah. or whatever? What if what if Hamlet is such a dick bag that Ophelia is like, yeah, I, I drowned your uncle in the in the lake just because you kept whining about it. You wouldn't do anything about it, so I did. Yes, now I have become Ophelia, drowning themed supervillain. <laughs> I'm gonna drown your mom too, and then I'm gonna drown you and tell everyone we got secret married, and then I'll be the queen. I'm gonna drown that weird ghost. <laughs> drown your dad. <laughs> I already drowned that skull you give a shit about. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. yeah, you also have a couple other things yeah. when you're casting the play. Uh, you get handed some lines that are famous lines of that oh, character in the play. To, and you're just supposed to, like, work them in wherever appropriate. Yeah, if you manage to say a famous line of that character yeah. and it makes sense that you said it in the scene, then you get some story points. If it doesn't make sense that you said it in the scene, you get one story point for trying. I knew him, Horatio, a man who read Infinite Jest. <laughs> Close enough. Here's a story point. <laughs> Plus, that's weird. No one's ever known someone who made it all the way through Infinite Jest. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, I'm thinking of Gravity's Rainbow. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, 
you'll then just do your just fucking improv scenes. You just do five improv scenes with cuts to change the play, which again, if you're not like an expert in the plays, I feel like you're just going to be constantly being told what you're actually doing anyway. So, all oh, yeah, because this- each, like I said, each act is the playwright tells you exactly what happens in the act. Yeah. And you either improv out a shitty, no script version of a Shakespeare play, or you can yell cut, st- spend a story point and go, hey, I think this should happen. Yeah. The playwright can either accept it or decline it. Yeah. If they decline it, you can try and force the edit. And that's where rolling comes in and mm-hmm. where the. Uh, points that you put into your stats matter. Yeah, because each point you put into your stats counts for one die to roll to try and force an edit. There are other ways to get dice as well. Uh, if you are acting in accordance with a plot that you have control of, that, that is in your uh, assigned character, then you also get some dice for that. I think it's another two. Yeah, you can spend a story point to add in either your pot, part or plot Yes, if it matters to what you're changing. So and, if you're like, all right, uh, my part is or plot is like, I'm a dad and you're, you say, Oh, I should forgive my daughter for this because I'm a loving father. You're like, okay, I can spend a story point, get two dice. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. Sorry, Catherine. You know, I, I, my I, bad. I had a brief moment of lucidity and I'm cool. And also here's a bike. <laughs> here's $5. <laughs> um, go see a star war. <laughs> Uh, the, there's another way to get them as well, which is a, uh, a a prop. Each character begins the game with a prop, but also props are given out as needed. Uh, props will, there's a list of them. They're things like the coin and the standard and the sword, and they will always provide a story point when they are doing a thing that's relevant to that prop. So, for example, whenever you're just trying to monetarily affect the plot in some way, if you have a coin, then that counts as... I spend a coin and it becomes two sacks of gold in my hands and I'll be like, here, I'm contributing these to the war effort so you know that I am your trusted lieutenant who you can trust. Well, yeah, it's just, do you have a thing that makes whatever edit you are trying to do more likely? So if you're like, oh, I want to kill a guy and I happen to have a fucking dagger on me, so it makes sense that I would be able to use this to kill him, you're like, great, that's an extra die and that doesn't cost a story point. Like, they are codified. There's a whole section that's like, yeah, the standard, the, the ring... The, the 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 sword and so on, but I'm sure you can just make up more if you need to. Oh yeah, like I noticed they gave Ka- or uh, the the one good daughter of King Lear. I want to say her name is Catherine, but I'm sure nope. that's wrong. That's uh, you're thinking of Taming of the Shrew. I am thinking of Taming Catherine. the Shrew. Yeah, that's right. No, I'm whoever the good the one who was not Regan and Goneril. Uh, yeah, that's uh, stinky Caroline. Pete. Caroline. Caroline. It's probably sweet Caroline. It's probably sweet stinky Caroline. Sweet stinky Carolina who gets the standard because she has to come back and lead an army. Towards the end of the play. Uh, so for the rest of the play, she's supposed to, I guess, Cordelia. walk around. Cordelia. Cordelia? Cordelia. Okay, The yeah. youngest daughter of Lyra's mm-hmm. Cordelia. Yeah. So so Willow uh, gets gets like a battle standard that she has to carry around with her the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, Anya. <laughs> Don't get Anya. <laughs> High horse. Okay, so yeah. You can spend a story point to get two dice from a part or a plot that is part of this. Mm-hmm. You can get a free die from a prop or a place. Yes. So if you're also like, oh, we're in the forest and I want to use the forest to change what's going on. I like, oh, a bear shows up. Like, <laughs> great. You get a free die if you want a bear to show up in the forest. Yeah. Uh, and then once you have spent all the story points you want, you, you know, have any applicable plots or parts or whatever. When you do that, you get your total number of dice and you roll to do your change. If yeah. the uh, 
playwright didn't just accept it outright. Now, there are three tiers of changes. You can do a trivial change, and the target number on the dice that you are rolling to try and beat is a 10. Yeah. So if you get a 10 or better, then you can make a trivial change. You know, you're not actually really changing the plot of what goes on. Just a, a very simple little thing. Which sounds weird again, because basically you have a beginning and an end point for each one of the scenes, and how you get there is up to your own awareness of whatever the fuck actually happens in Othello, uh, plus how good you are at improv. So it feels like you're already making a lot of those for free. So the trivial change always feels kind of silly to me. Well, the trivial one feels like, oh, uh, it says that my character is angry at someone. Can I be just slightly mad and not angry? I am at best miffed. Yeah, I'm just slightly peeved. (laughs) Because the problem is, there's trivial, minor, and major, and... Major ones, obviously, are like, I kill, kill a character. Yeah, you, you off a character, you change the dramatis personae. Or you're like, I straight up change where this takes place. Yeah. So you're like, no, we're not in Scotland anymore. Now we're in Venice Beach. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, that's a major fucking change. Yeah, no, Romeo's super into Tibble. <laughs> uh, that's, that's my... Eh, eh, eh trivial. <laughs> <laughs> Who isn't? <laughs> minor change at best. <laughs> and the minor one is... If you're like, oh, you can do non-lethal woundings or poisonings to people, you can fuck with the scenery a bit, you can change the way people are interacting, but trivial is so trivial, I'm like, why would you ever even call, why, like you said, why wouldn't you just act that out in the scene, because it's not like it's anything that... The the uh, playwright would have to call you out in order to bother with with a with a trivial change. Yeah, because you're still approaching the same endpoint for the scene and for the play. You're just changing the way you got there, and the whole point of this is that the way you get there is pure improv bullshit on your part. So making trivial changes feels very silly. Yeah, you got because they give you the like, here's what happens in the act and generally how people feel towards each other. And if you're just like, oh, uh, I changed the name of the nun to be. Arthur Fornhilda. And you're like, all right, well, great. I'm glad you did that. Mm-hmm. You spent a story point on doing that. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Like, who cares? Yeah. Minor is you can make outcome changes towards the scenery, but you can't really like kill anyone off or introduce anything no, new. You can you can change the narrative a bit. Yeah. You can wound someone, you can poison someone, you can make a change to the set. Uh but if you want to drastically change the course of the play, like if you go, I kill Macbeth in act one, then that is a major edit to the play. <laughs> and God bless you if you do it. Yeah. Although there's a section in here. At, there's like a, oh God, what happened? They just killed my important character in the play. And there's like eight answers, like how to deal with that. Like if they kill Romeo off early. And half the answers are things like Ghost Romeo is here now, and he just goes through the motions exactly the same, but he's a ghost. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of like, oh, well, he's a ghost now, or some new character steps in and is like, hi, I'm Gomeo. I'm Normio. (laughs) I'm Nomeo. (laughs) I'm in a very shitty movie. (laughs) I've brought my friend Mankini with me. And other characters from the Nomeo and Juliet franchise. <laughs> and it's it's one of those things where I'm like, given that this is an RPG about making stupid changes mm-hmm. to Shakespearean plays, the fact that they're like, yeah, but if you want to make an actual change, it is 
incredibly difficult to do. Difficulty 20. And if you manage to pull it off, they're like, and then just hand wave it away. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they don't necessarily do that. Usually the advice is like, keep the plot the way it is, but have someone else step into that that open role uh, and, and solve the problem instead. You know, like, oh, if Hamlet dies in Act 1, I guess... Uh, one flashbacks. Of the, yeah, we're having flashbacks. Fucking Blades in the Dark style flashbacks. You just have Rosencrantz be like, and I shall do Romeo or, or a Hamlet things. <laughs> Guildenstern, go off to die by yourself. <laughs> go, go on now. <laughs> oh, oh. Guildenstern never gets to live. <laughs> it's uh, it's one of the the <laughs> the bits about this where I was like. I understand because they're they also say like, you know, you can change as much as you want as long as the you end the play with the type of thing a play should have. So if you're doing a Shakespearean comedy, you can change as much as you want, but it had better end with a wedding. Everybody get married. And if you're doing a tragedy, motherfuckers got to die at the end. I don't care what else happens. Yeah. And if you're doing a history, there's a new king at the end and everyone's very happy about this new king. Yeah. That's you got to do that. It's every single one of them got to got to end like that. Romances, I think they all have to end with like a lesson being learned or something. Romances are weird, so yeah. The fact that they were like, "This is the Kickstarter thing," is not part of the base game. Yeah, because it's weird. Well, I mean, it's uh, romances were also weird. Like that's where the Tempest is, for example. Yeah. Romances is when he pretty much was like, "Fuck it, magic. We need something for sweeps. <laughs> Dumb shit happens." There's now. <laughs> I don't know, wizards and spirits and shit. And you're yeah. like, all right, well. Like all the fairy ones and so on, and Midsummer Night's Dream and all that. I think those are the ones that count as romances. Yeah, it's, I wanted to put in weird crap. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then uh, if you manage to get your uh, your edit, great. Edit happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, the play continues. keep going. Yeah. And that's basically, I mean, there's also the methods by which you acquire story points to go over. Which is pretty much just the playwright goes hey nice nice story point <laughs> nice yeah so uh that's that's if you like act in character or do something cool you should get some story points and if you're thinking well hey could you just spend story points directly into dice if you want to make major changes to the play yes of course you can the exchange rate is weird though it's five story points to buy a die yeah they're like if you're not doing this within the like props and plots and everything that is part of this, then it would be very difficult to convince the playwright is basically what that's supposed to be. Cause yes. there, if you're like, well, it makes sense that this change would happen because you know, uh, I have this crown and I am a ruler and I'm a father. And so all of these things lead my character to act in such a way. And they'd go, okay, that makes sense. Let's make a change. But if you're like, Hey, I want to be in charge now and i know that i'm normally the fool and i have nothing but what if i was king (laughs) (laughs) what if i polonius was the star of this (laughs) it's my time to shine (laughs) polonius famously a tiny gnome oh so yeah that's uh that's the basics of it there's not you get the impression like it actually says at the beginning that this is a game that was written for a game jam so this is this is a book that's that's uh, in large part meant to dramatically stretch a game jam into full length book speed. Oh, also I messed up Laertes and Polonius there in my last thing. Oh, did you? Okay, yeah. I don't. I you got it past me. Good job. Doesn't matter. But I know that I've already got people in the fucking Discord who are like, "You fucked up." Yeah. All you people who like comment immediately instead of listening for the next five minutes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you said a thing. I'm going to tell you how that's actually in this way. Anyway, it's this way. God damn it. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, we don't edit. That's the truth. That's our that's our secret. The whole yeah. thing is, I could have gone back and said, "Hey, cut that whole bit out and let me redo it where I say the the right name of the character." But he, but I won't. He knows I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but I know there's no way that will happen. I just give him a big nod and a wink and forget about it immediately. <laughs> of course I will. Huh? Bing. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I'm thinking about 80s boob comedies again. <laughs> They're never going to get that, save that rec center, hmm. unless a car wash. Unless. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just kept reading, reading the book, hoping and hoping that we get to a part where he talked about other playwrights and other types of plays, because that was, that was the thing that would have unlocked this game for me. Like, if it had sw- taken that switch to be like, oh, and by the way, this is how you use this for, like, Andrew Lloyd Webber mu- musicals. I'd be like, fuck yes, I'm on board again. You got me. Give me some Starlight Express, baby. I mean, the one problem I would have with that is, I mean, basically, I would say this would have had to have done very well for this to have more to it. Because you can't just be like, ah, here's the themes that would go with that. You'd also have to be like... All right, here's the play. Here's the five acts it breaks down into. Here are all the characters. Here are their plots and props and everything else. Everyone's magic trains. It's fine. Everyone's a train. Everyone's, everyone's a magic train represented by a person on roller Look, skates. I mean, if you've got to cut down cats to the six most jellical, what are you going to do? <laughs> you get all the ones who have featured songs. That's not a big deal. You got. You just have your Jenny Enderdots, Buster for Jones, Rumple Teaser, and, and and Mungo Jerry. You can definitely combine into a single character, Rump Rumple Jerry. I assume. <laughs> oh, Mungo Teaser, <laughs> Mango, yeah, or Mungo Teaser. You pick one. Skimble Shanks. You're not going to do anything without Skimble Shanks. The number one characters you can get rid of are all these like Monka Straps and Victorias and shit that don't fucking matter at all. Yeah, but who's going to be old dude? <laughs> That's the playwright. The playwright definitely picks old dude because they got to pick the person who's the winner at the end. And meanwhile, the people in the thing are like, I'm going to add a major edit. Uh, fucking Growl Tiger's a dog. There's, there's a dog in the play now. Growl Tiger's an actual tiger. <laughs> I am the Jellicle Cat. Rawr! Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You are. You win. Hey, you got it, brother. <laughs> and then he gets to... <laughs> he gets taken out by McCavity, who finally gets around to the real human law of poaching. <laughs> yep, I told you, every human law. <laughs> See, that would have broken it right open for me, because I don't give a flying shit about Shakespeare. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it is. it is a problem where, again, looking at this, I'm like, there's a very narrow band of people that I feel like this is for. And that's fair. You know, you're allowed to write a game for whatever audience you want. Uh, that's that's an important thing. The people are always giving people game advice to write the game for a broad audience. And I get that. If you want your game to be successful, there's two things you have to do. Already have a bunch of successful games and probably work for a large successful company and write to a broad audience. <laughs> there's two things you need to do. One, write D&D. <laughs> two, be a big sellout. <laughs> Pretty much. But if you're just writing for you, yeah, go ahead and make a game where you're rearranging Shakespeare plays. It's fine. Yeah. And I mean, this got kickstarted. It made money. There are enough people that wanted this that paid for it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you can definitely see uh, the fact that this is written by the guy who owns Magpie in the fact that, like, he's got John Wick editing. Uh, I saw that I think Eloy LaSanta was in the list as one of the people who worked on this game. That's the Mermaid Adventures guy. So there's a lot of names I recognize just in the in the uh, writing list on this. So. It's a big project with a lot of a lot of big names. Yeah. Um, it's not for me, but then again, I, that's just because, again, it's not a topic I, I could bring myself to care about. And it is so much about that topic. 
That is my main problem. Yeah. I'm like, it's it would be one thing if it was, hey, we're doing an RPG about being an actor in a Shakespearean play. And I'm like, what a fun setting yeah. to be a character in. But they're like, no, you're just doing the play. That was the thing that lost me. Yeah, I was expecting a lot more like backstage drama stuff where, you know, you're back, you're behind the scenes wheeling and dealing for an extra 30 seconds on stage and like uh, trying to, to parlay this into more fame for your next play. Yeah, it, <laughs> I think there's so little of the character that comes into this that I'm, it almost feels like an afterthought that you would have a character that's like, oh, I'm playing a villain. Anyway, what I'm actually playing is I'm as Othello. So the fact that I am a villain actor just means occasionally I get compelled to be an asshole. Yeah. But that's about it. Yeah, it doesn't feel like the character you make has all that much narrative weight to them. Like, you're supposed to make an actor. You're supposed to be like, my character is Christopher Lee, villain. It, it, but it, oh, with a with a pathos of three for my great ability to command the others on stage, uh, and uh, it, it, I don't care about location because I am Christopher Lee and I look amazing anywhere. So my ethos is one, and I guess uh, the other one is two. Whatever the other one was, it's two. Uh, Logos. Logos. <laughs> Very average. Um, <laughs> Christopher Lee does not care for your logos. <laughs> but then you're spending the entire time just being Iago. And not that character, and it. I feel like that's that's a bit that I would have preferred to see explored a little more. Yeah, I would have liked more off the stage to be a thing because it is just you have five acts, you're doing the five acts of the play. That's the whole game. You can call cut to try and do some stuff. You've got powers that are like I'm not in this scenes, and I can try and do something. Mm -hmm. But even then, it's like, what are your powers when you're off stage to get on stage? You're like, okay, so my power is to just continue being in this play. There's no real personal interaction. There's just in-play interaction. Yeah. And that's that's just, it's a nitpick for me, a thing I would have liked more. I, You know, I, I can't judge this thing for not being the thing I imagined it would be. That's, I know. That's not really fair, but that is what I would have liked to see. Like, there's an app game on my phone called Knights of Pen and Paper. Yep. And that is a game where you play a D&D &D party. You don't play the party. You play the people playing D&D. &D. Yes. And it's fun because it gets it right. It still works in the trappings of like a D&D &D town where you go on adventures and so on. But your character classes aren't like fighter and wizard and so on. Instead, they're like jock, nerd, little brother. And they, they did a great job of kind of controlling it at both levels. So you feel like you're engaged in decorating the room where these guys play D&D &D in and changing the kind of DM this is. And I would have liked to see a little more of that in this where you... You yeah. have a directorial style that's important. You have your actor personalities come out and you get to interact as the actors as well. Uh, it's just something I feel like is missing here. Yeah, because otherwise it really feels like this is just an improv prompt where some people doing mm -hmm. improv went on stage and were like, we're going to do Hamlet. But I'd like a, a suggestion from the audience about where we are. Yeah, and that's all it is. It's like the middle 15 minutes of Shakespeare abridged. <laughs> Which, you know, is probably the target audience for this. The people who have been in Shakespeare Abridged. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that said, you know, I, again, I don't want to judge this game for what I imagined it would be. That's not fair. So instead, let's get to the ending here. And I'm going to ask John to tell me what his favorite thing about this <laughs> Let's was. get to the ending and get married. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a comedy. Finally, all of you shippers. There has to be a wedding. <laughs>
but it's a Shakespeare style wedding, so it's going to be really informal and weird. Unfortunately, this is a tragic comedy, mm. so we also die at the wedding. Both of us die at the wedding. Yeah, we're uh, we're very busy pouring poison into each other's ears right now. <laughs> it's hard to do it simultaneously. Yeah, yeah, real tough, but we make it happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Live on stage, five nights a week, <laughs> dark Thursdays. Uh what? <laughs> what was your favorite thing about the game? Oh, uh, line. <laughs> No, I think my favorite thing about the game, I I don't like a lot of this and I don't dislike a lot of this. It's very difficult for me. Honestly, I think the best thing in this game is that they had a section that was just, here are the main characters, here are all the bits for them, here are some lines, here's a breakdown of the acts. Yeah, the book would have been almost worthless without that. Oh yeah, because if they didn't have that, it'd be like, Oh, you literally have to be Shakespearean actors to give a fuck and play this. Yeah. So that is the best thing they did in this was go, look, here are the only characters you need to give a shit about. Here's a little breakdown of it. You go to it. Yeah. Without that, I'm only able to name Shakespearean characters if they are the titular character. I'm like, do I know any characters in Titus Andronicus? I'm guessing there's a Titus Andronicus. (laughs) One's going to guess that. The Taming of the Shrew? There's probably a shrew. Yeah, there's probably Taming Shrew. (laughs) I recently learned her name was Catherine. Indeed. Unless that's her little sister. Uh, No, that's Bianca, I think. Okay. (laughs) That can't be Bianca. She doesn't want to live on that farm. (laughs) She wants to go back to big cities. That's the life for her. No, what you need to do is watch 10 Things I Hate About You. (laughs) Again, I love that movie and would happily watch it. (laughs) Let's go watch that right now. Fuck this. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to say the the actual breakdown of the plays is probably the best thing in this book for me. Uh, what about you? Uh, my favorite thing is the opening DM advice and uh, kind of generic explanation of of like why this game exists and what interested uh, Truman to write this game and how he played it. Because it gave me a sense of what, what to expect, and it was well written. That part was like uh, just nice. It was kind of heartfelt. It really carried well the vibe of why this game was written. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that. The actual game itself is fine. Uh, there's nothing really wrong with it, but no- also nothing that really stood out to me. Yep. What would you say is your least favorite thing? Uh, I think my least favorite thing in this is going to have to be the story point mechanic for casting the play. Mm-hmm. So story points as an actual thing you hand out and then can use to change the play. That's fine. I don't mind that. But saying like, we're going to start the game. Here are five story points. If you would like to muck about with these characters that people are going to like bid or pass on, you have to spend some of your resources to do. I feel like that's a bad thing. Instead, it should just be, you have five points. They are not story points, yeah. and if you have any at the end of this, they do not transfer over. Yep. But you can make five changes during the casting process. Then I think that would work so much better to go, all right, now you're going to see people throwing out ideas constantly. They're not going to be afraid to hold back on them. Yep, that's exactly what I was thinking. I, it's very rare that I suggest you have different mechanics between character creation and gameplay, because I don't normally like that. Well, it, it's also, I don't know that I mentioned it, but... When you bid to be like, oh, I'm going to make it so that, you know, Macbeth is actually an alligator or whatever the fuck you're doing, mm-hmm. the story point you spent to make that change goes to that character. Yes, so whoever then takes that character gets however many points were spent on it, which means you also end up having this, 
incentive where it's like, oh, I don't want to play this character. I don't really like it, but it's already up to eight points worth. So I'll probably just take it so that I can get the story points. It's, and I know, again, I know that's not how you're supposed to play it, but it's the incentive that is given. And so I think changing the story points to just, you have some edit points to start with for the casting and that's it. It is unrelated. Would have loved it, but it's my least favorite thing because it has these perverse incentives to play against what the game wants. Yeah. There you go. What is yours? Uh, I, I mentioned it earlier, but I feel very weird in designing a character in a game where you'll never be playing your character as your character. Yeah. Um, the, the time you spend designing your actor feels completely wasted when no one's ever going to call them by that name. Mm-hmm. They're only going to be like, ah, shut up, Laertes, we're busy. And you're like, my character's name isn't Laertes, it's Duke Ellington, the <laughs> the the jazz pianist. That's right. Duke Ellington here. <laughs> Duke Ellington. As Laertes. Jazz pianist, Duke Ellington. Uh <laughs> It's just, uh, I feel like it was a, a wasted opportunity. Uh, and and it, it could be fixed in either direction. It could be that you don't need to have a character, like an actor that you're playing, and instead you just inhabit the character of Laertes as yourself. I play as Jeff, the, the guy who doesn't know dick about Shakespeare, and that way I don't need to worry about this character I'm developing who will never actually experience any spotlight as the character. Exactly. So that's that's probably my least favorite thing. It feels like a disconnect. Uh, it feels like a missed opportunity. So yeah, there you because go. there isn't that that backstage or offstage away from the play setting in it. Yeah. It just, uh, like you said, it just doesn't feel like it matters that I've made a character. Exactly. Uh, so would you play this game? I wouldn't. I, I said it at the beginning. It's just not a game for me. This is, I would <laughs> like, because this basically boils down to improv exercises, but you have to do Shakespeare. I'm like, I don't, I don't care, man. It's I fair. just don't care. That's fair. Uh, I would play this game with some significant reservations, specifically to Penn and Teller. <laughs> if I had, if I had reserved significant Penn and, yeah, reservations yeah. to Penn and Teller, if someone bought me Penn and Teller tickets in exchange for playing this game with them, I would play this game. <laughs> is, is, uh, <laughs> I've seen Penn and Teller. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. When I met by reservations, no, I'm I, kidding. <laughs> fuck Penn and Teller. <laughs> <laughs> Old libertarian douche nozzles. <laughs> No, I, I was, was going to actually say was uh, I would play this game with some heavy modifications rather than reservations. I yes. would play this if it was not just Shakespeare, which, again, it doesn't have to be. No, there's, there's a part towards the beginning of the book where it's like, hey, you can set this in any time period you want, any location in the world you want. You don't even have to do Shakespeare plays. That said, our only frame of reference we're ever going to mention for the entirety of the book is Shakespeare. So get used to that. Yeah. Like if I, if you were to tell me, like, oh, we're going to play this game, but it's Neil Simon, we're going to do the fucking nerd. I'd be like, all right, I'll. I'll do that. That that sounds more interesting to me than Sh- I have a bit more connection to that in my mind uh, than I do to Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. So I would play it in in those circumstances. Especially, I would happily play it if it was one of those ridiculous Broadway adaptations of a cult classic eighties movie. That'd be really fun. <laughs> you have to play an actor who's in the Broadway revival of the Broadway version of Heather's. <laughs> All right, so it's Beetlejuice, but. <laughs> So, if it was Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, look, I would play this in a heartbeat. If if the play's the thing was about jukebox musicals... Oh, fuck yes. <laughs> obviously, I would be in. <laughs> if this game was completely different than what it was, clearly I would enjoy it. It's not completely different. It does mention that you can <laughs> play things that way. That's just what it would take to get me involved. I just have such a personal mental break from caring a, a lick about Shakespeare that it doesn't... 
entice me in the slightest. So you need to change that aspect to get me in. Yeah. I mean, the one of the other things I kept looking at was I was like, oh, I mean, clearly this is supposed to be for an audience of people that aren't just, you know, Shakespearean actors and people that have memorized Shakespeare. But having it be like, oh, you can get story points for doing this line from a Shakespearean play. I'm like, yeah, but you know, in the improv that you're doing, no one is going to be able to fully do Shakespearean lines. And even if they try, if you're like, hey, thou painted fart novel, <laughs> shalt we duel? And then you're like, and then you look down and read an actual line from Shakespeare. It just feels real weird. Prithee, sir. Whilst thou tarry, <laughs> I saw three ships come sailing in. On Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. <laughs> uh, yeah. Although I definitely prefer doing that. The, <laughs> the breakdown riff from Hook. Uh, I'll be playing as uh, Good King Wenceslas in this. And I'll be playing John Popper, circa 1996. <laughs> John Popper, villain. <laughs> Why you always give me the runaround, Laertes? <laughs> Laertes? <laughs> it's a surefire way to speed things up. <laughs> yeah, sure. So so no without some major changes. There you go. Yeah. And that's it. That's uh, that's the plays the thing. There it is. And I thought we were done. I, I for, for the life of me, I figured that was two episodes of Sweater Weather, and then I realized this is one of those long months. We got a long ass month. So now that we moved to monthly, I'm half I'm halfway convincing myself that we should just not do another episode. I'm like, <laughs> screw it. We did due diligence. We get no bonus. But no, we'll probably do another one. We don't get anything for this. It's just free. It's not free. We still free get our real monthly, estate. We still get our monthly payouts and everything, which are going to get bigger soon because you know, big announcement, of course. Here here at uh, the one shot podcast network uh with the recent abdication of the throne of our of our lord and master tv and stage and screens james damato uh we have of course risen into the position of leadership and power yeah now that james damato has stepped down from a leadership position mm -hmm. and is uh going to retire to the countryside in a lovely farm upstate yeah, where he can run around <laughs> What happened was he finally was standing in front of a mirror, took off his glasses and paint-stained overalls, and realized he was beautiful. <laughs> and now he's going to prom eternally. <laughs> it's the Listen. eternal prom of the spotless mind. And, and obviously System Mastery was there to step into that power vacuum and lay off half the other podcasts. Yeah, we decided every other person in the One Shot Network needed to give us transcripts of their podcasts, and people with the smallest transcripts were fired. <laughs> so we've laid off half the cast uh, of every podcast so all the ones that were two people are now one person including this one we've always been one guy doing two voices yeah now uh, there's half a guy <laughs> but uh, you know watch for that in your favorite podcasts as uh, each one of them is now only one person because we're in charge and we're going to improve things <laughs> also you can pay us eight dollars <laughs> if you want to have a little blue mark next to your podcast <laughs> Yeah, that's right. We'll post a blue park mark next to your podcast for each person who increases their pledge by eight dollars. <laughs> I'm just Ooh. kidding. All all that's actually happening is that James is stepping down from hosting one of his many shows. <laughs> so many shows. He's just not going to do one shot anymore. And is it had a big announcement today, and I've been messing with him. <laughs> that's all it is. Uh, the other announcement, of course, uh, we're going to have ads. Yeah. And that segues very well into going to our Patreon at patreon.com slash system mastery. If you support us, uh, you help the show, you help us out. We get to keep doing what we're doing and you get access to so much bonus content like 
the bonus content for this show where we're going to go make some characters, some actors mm-hmm. that will uh, be in a play. Yeah. And our new system is monthly, which means that you uh, to hear that, all you have to do is pledge at the $2 level where we will only ever charge you $2 because $2 a month. No longer are we doing it per episode, even though we never betrayed your trust. Not once. Never ever did we accidentally hit that button when we published a movie mastery episode and then said please don't press it for the next system mastery episode that never happened did that actually ever happened that happened once it did i don't literally remember. once i accidentally hit the charge for this and went oh fuck oh no i did i did not know that yes <laughs> it was very early on when we had barely anyone subscribe oh, okay but i fucked up and was like hey don't don't hit that button for back the next in the early one. days we were like like, uh, hey, guys, we need $6 a month to keep the website online. <laughs> if we can get up to $20 a month, then by God, we'll never take off our clothes. <laughs> and we've held that promise to this very day. But uh, we are putting in ads. If you are not a patron, you may have noticed ads running in the middle of this, maybe at the end, maybe at the beginning, maybe even in your own mind. Mm-hmm. But if you are a patron, of course, it is always ad-free. Uh, but we are adding these ads in so that we can have, you know, a little bit of money so that Sage can wear new clothes instead of the bags that she has been walking around in. Yeah, I've gotten tired of having to give her Wonder Bread bag shoes, and uh, <laughs> it, 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 each pledge that, that we get from you buys her a real shoe. <laughs> One real shoe. <laughs> One real shoe per Two pledge. Two pledges for a pair of shoes. And since there's, you know, already almost a thousand patrons, we've already got like an Imelda Marcos amount of shoes. <laughs> We're, Unfortunately, we're thinking, Sage is a little kid, and so will immediately grow out of all of them within a year. I live in a pile of shoes now. <laughs> I am an old lady who lives in a shoes. <laughs> so, but yeah, please do support us. You know, if you can't enjoy the ads, they're not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, you can always hit a skip button. Yeah, it, 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 shit. Just, it, it helps us keep paying the bills when, when they start happening. But our big pledge is that as long as we as long as we can, we will maintain Patreon is 100% ad-free. You can skip them by coming there instead. Yep. And also, you know, of course, if you increase your pledge by eight bucks, then we can't stop you from pretending to be our advertisers and pissing them off so bad that we can't use them anymore. <laughs> Spend those $8 a month and just, I don't know, whoever an ad you heard for, mm-hmm. just tweet and say like, Hey, System Mastery is a fart balls. <laughs> it's me, Manscaped. I'll shave your balls the fuck off. <laughs> I'm going to shave your balls so hard. <laughs> me undies only stretch four ways, not eight. <laughs> hey, uh, micromodal isn't actually a thing. We don't have any type of fabric like that. Dollar Shave Club is a piece of shit. <laughs> Pepsi's better. <laughs> I like to go to a restaurant and be like, hey, can I get a Diet Shave Club? And they're like, is Diet Pepsi all right? No, it isn't. It's not. I prefer Diet Shave Club. I want my bulk bargain bin Norco razor that we're pretending is useful. (laughs) Uh, Let's just piss every advertiser off. (laughs) For $8, I will. (laughs) For $8, I'll piss off anyone you want me to. (laughs) Uh, Let's get out of here before we... (laughs) Before we belabor the point too much, let's—I don't want this <laughs> to this to become love's belabors lost. Hey, there it is. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you in the Patreon. Have a good one. Peace.